is it hardcore to be in the sport for two years and get burnt out and be done with it? Or is it more hardcore to be doing it for 20, 25 years, continuing to progress, making those gains as you go? You know what I mean? Like, Completely like what is, agree. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I guess it depends on what your definition of hardcore is. But if you want to be one and done and maybe you go and you win a pro card in two years and, and be done, okay, maybe. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for tuning back into the next Blood, Sweat, and Gear Coaching q and I'm Scott McNally. I'm hanging out with coaches Skip Hill and Andrew Barry. We're going to tackle your listener questions as we always do. We got a ton of prep questions this week. So, hey, if you're on contest prep right now, shout out to you. Keep grinding, dig deep, and do your best. This week, we've got a bunch of topics. I have timestamps below if you want to skip around. We discuss post-show rebound. We give advice on splitting up your injections through the week. We discuss how tough should a prep be. Like, should it be so hard that you can't get off the couch? Contest cycle advice. Should you run a trial peak week? Anivar and Winstrel take a pre-workout on training days only. Dropping test and increasing DHTs as you close in on a show. How long is insulin good for? Slowing down fast action proteins and a bunch more if you're new here let me encourage you to hit the subscribe button and hit the bell because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week just tons of education and some entertainment featuring IPB pros experienced coaches and educators in our industry that are all here to help you do better at the sport that we love and stay safe in the process What's up, guys? Welcome back to Blood, Sweat, and Gear. I'm Scott McNally, and of course, I'm here with coaches Skip Hill and Andrew Berry. All of our programming is brought to you by TrueNutrition.com. You can use our code THINK for some additional savings on high-quality third-party tested supplements. And if you are in Canada, check out SupplementSource.ca. They've got great deals, blowout deals, in fact, on uh, high-quality supplements over there. And thank you to everybody who's supporting our programming on Patreon. Gentlemen, we're going to start by ambushing Skip. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, uh, so this, this I'm the was, guy in the yellow shirt over there. <laughs> we, uh, Andrew, Andrew sent this to me before the show. He was like, This is Skip recently. This is today. Video clip. This is today. today or yesterday or something. Yes, yeah, it was uh, Monday actually. Is and, this like uh, Magneto prep? It's full of French. T- oh, god, no. Yeah, here, here's the thing you don't see my quads or lack thereof. I'm not kidding. If I, I would, I would jump. I would love to compete, but my quads are, I I literally finished that rehab four or five weeks ago. So now Mm -hmm. I'm starting to build back. But to be honest with you, I should be focusing on taking in more calories right now. I'm building and I want to get retardedly lean first, probably because I haven't been able to do what I've wanted to do the last couple of years and everything has been up in the air. So I'm just really happy to be in really good condition. And then I want to, I just, I'm going to literally stop when it's not easy. And, and I don't want to sound like a dick, but because I've been doing it so long, it is a fucking cakewalk right now. I'm barely over to, I think I'm two, two Oh five two two Oh four, two Oh five. I'll be probably below that by the end of the week. I'll probably get to 200 pounds before I decide, okay, I've had enough. I'm not going to work too hard to get there, but I want to be lean, be insulin sensitive and then shift gears and really just hammer my fucking legs as much as I can hammer them. Right now I'm still programming my brain to know that it's not injured anymore. And that's a very difficult thing to do because it's been programmed the other way for for so long that it's just kind of hard to break that so i'm just enjoying being you know lean as fuck right now to be honest with you jazz and tan it's funny because you had posted a video training shoulders the other day and i shared it with the group uh the think big uh, bodybuilding group on facebook and somebody was like dude skip you don't look that big in the video and you, like on, on the podcast, like you look, no. you don't look like you have that kind of mass in the podcast. I would have never guessed. And it's funny because I, as I explained, your camera is pointing down. It creates this like bobblehead effect where your head looks bigger, making your body look smaller. And you don't look like you have the level of muscle you do, which I, I just find that 
funny because I, even when I met you in person, I was like, oh, shit, you're a lot bigger than I realized because your camera's <laughs> at this angle that, like, yeah, it just distorts things a little bit. Yeah, but, see, the camera on the podcast is more to make me not look like instead of 52, I want to look like 50, 51. <laughs> so I don't really care if I don't look big as much as I just don't want to look as old as I am. And oh. that's why when that guy said it, he goes, Skip doesn't looks 500 years old on the podcast. I was like, oh, you could have said I was fat. You could have said I was small, <laughs> but you said I look 500 years old. That one hurt. <laughs> I think he meant like, though, that you look like you didn't have muscle, like that you were, you know, no, I, I, I think that's what he meant. But yeah, anyway, we, yeah, you you are looking good, man. Uh, yeah, I actually I had, had a question. It. You what? I had to pull it and send it to you and give you props, man. You look awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. We had a question related to dieting down in order to grow. So I'll see if I can pull that one up a little later today. But guys, we have a ton of listener questions here today. You guys literally bombarded us on the last episode, uh, which is awesome. We appreciate it because especially <clears throat> comments, likes, and uh, you know, questions that you ask for the show help to boost our programming and the algorithm. More people is helping to, uh, you know, it's helping to more people to find the show, which is awesome. Uh, so I appreciate that. We'll just dive in straight here at the top. Um, JL has a question for the next show. I've always been fat. This is it. I just randomly grabbed it. <laughs> I've always been fascinated by the idea of the post-show rebound. I know you guys, for the most part, recommend guys go into uh, to more of a cruise health phase following a show. If no more shows are planned for the season, is there even is there ever a situation where you would have someone push hard for a few weeks following a show before going into a cruise period? Thanks as always. I don't know that there's not a, yeah, you know, not a like we wouldn't do that. I just think, and because we've just we've discussed this before, which is not to take a shot at the guy for asking the question, but I think Andrew and I think the same way in the sense that coming off the show, uh, uh, the increase in calories alone becomes so growth pushing and so anabolic, for lack of a better word. Uh, I know that people don't like to hear that food is anabolic because anabolic equates to drugs, but it is anabolic in the sense that it's building and you know providing the, the building blocks for muscle tissue so the calories are so under respected from an anabolic standpoint so going into a crew i mean you could so many people can grow even people with mediocre jimmy with mediocre shitty genetics you can grow you can increase the calories and you can come down to trt type doses and you can grow very very well um are there times where you may stay on gear and push hard yeah, I don't particularly like to because I think that when you come off of a show, most people have driven themselves to the point where you have minor aches and pains. Uh, you you know, there's a, there, you want a little bit of recovery in there shortly after the show, and to go and start slamming, you know, heavier weights and really start, to, especially if you're going to start regaining strength very very quickly or rapidly from the increase in calories. I don't know. I think there's a there's a vulnerability there. Obviously, there you know, with me, it's a little bit different because I'm older. If I was 25 again, I'd probably try to grow like a motherfucker for the first month or two after. But I just don't think that that needs to happen. I think you can grow like crazy by adding in calories and keeping the gear low, making sure your health markers are good, and then you get that growth from the food, the increase in calories while you're cruising, and and then you go back on cycle and you just build on what you've already built with the lower gear and the higher calories and you keep going i can't necessarily disagree with that at all i i, I also think it's person dependent you know like mm -hmm. for instance let's say you know two weeks out you had someone do their labs and they had a very a 12 or 15 week prep that was not very stressful to them their labs looked fairly good you say okay we can push four to six weeks after the show and mm -hmm. then we'll go into a cruise phase i'm i wouldn't be adverse to that and i think also i explained to everyone like a lot of it comes down to like your level of risk adversity in terms of like health, you know, like, would it be healthier to take no drugs? Absolutely. Would it be right. a lot more, you know, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so it's kind of, everyone has their own little notch on what they're comfortable with in terms of rolling the dice with their health, you know? Right. So I try to get a really good gauge with that, with where that person is and then try to steer them the safest way I think possible to get to where we want to go. So it wouldn't be uncommon for someone who had a typical prep that was hard, but not like overly hard to say, okay, 
four to six weeks, we're probably going to cut the gear in half and use food as the driver. Like you're talking about, we're probably right. going to pull training back a little bit because I think I look at this, there's like an inverse relationship between like stress and results. And I think, you know, when you can lower that stress, you're not doing cardio every day, the same amount you were doing, you're not putting the same amount of compounds in your body. You're not, um, you're going to be eating a lot more food. You're probably going to be sleeping better. So your stress level is going to go down. That's going to help you provide the growth. Um, so I think you can do it with a lot less gear. I'm not saying like, you know, the day you get off stage, you're dropping right back down to 125 megs of TRT. That's not probably what I'm saying at all. There've only right. been one, maybe one situation where I've had someone do that because it was on their you know behest. But, um, I do think you gear should be like the third or fourth factor in the programming at that point. Whereas the food rest and recovery, um, and, and the injuries and blood work should dictate what the next move is there. Yeah. yeah. And I realize some of the listeners won't think that's very hardcore and that we're downplaying. I can't continue to do this. I understand. I'll keep taking this cheap shot, but I think well, you know, I've but, done but here's it both thing. ways. Can I say one more thing to Skip's point? Is it hardcore to be in the sport for two years and get burnt out and be done with it? Or is it more hardcore to be doing it for 20, 25 years, continuing to progress, making those gains as you go? You know what I mean? Like, like what is, you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I guess it depends on what your definition of hardcore is, but if you want to be one and done and maybe you go and you win a pro card in two years and, and be done. Okay. Maybe, but you know, well, also, one step not, further. also you're responding hardcore? to one person. You know, don't forget you're responding no, to one person. Not necessarily. I mean, I get what you're saying because I I was focused on that, but still, there it's not the only. That's not the only person who's. There have been a, more than a few that have been critical, and that my only other thing to add would be: Is it still hardcore then if you go 20 years, and you make minimal progress because you aren't very good at what you're doing and you think that there is something else there that we're holding back. That's really what it keeps coming back to. I, I, I just want to emphasize that we are here telling you the truth to try to help people and then to be criticized for that. It does kind of cut a little bit. Yeah. All right. I'll, I'll tell you this. Um, <clears throat> I've, uh, I've gone both ways being that, I remember one post contest switching my compounds. I went to NPP and I was like, okay, I didn't run this for four or six weeks. And I think I ran it. I think I ended up running it for like eight weeks. And, you know, I've gone to that extreme, probably even added in a little bit of deep ball or something like that to it. And then I've gone to the other side, the other extreme of just relying on the food. And, and I've, I've buried myself with food post contest to the point where I basically ruined my rebound and I've ridden it out as long as I absolutely could. And I've through all that, I think I've found the balance. And I think the word that I use is after years and years of experimenting with myself and then having a lot of clients that you see the results with, you learn the term is finesse. You learn the finesse where you don't, as you had said, Andrew, you don't need to hit it with a hammer to get the results. And I discovered that maybe I didn't need to do some of the more extreme stuff I had done post post contest. And it does, as you guys said, I think it depends on everybody. I've had situations where if it's a client that I've worked with long term and we have had to have an easy prep, then maybe we are more likely to say leave the test in for a little bit longer post cycle or post contest. On the other hand, I've had I'm thinking of one guy who came to me and he he was working with another coach and he was committed to that coach right up until his contest and then he wanted to start working with me we started together and i saw his training was atrocious like the way he did his barbell rows was terrible like some of the worst i'd seen in my life and he couldn't handle taking eight weeks to get cleaned up and learn training technique i'm trying to you know, get him to get to the point where we can actually grow his back because that's what he needed to do with this off season. Take that first eight weeks to focus on this technique while we're cleaning out. And he couldn't do that. And he would, I mentioned this guy before and he was like, oh, I want to go to another coach who was going to, you know, hammer the gear right away. So hammer the gear right away with that same fucking shitty technique that nobody ever yeah. taught you how to do a barbell row in your life. Okay, but you know that's that's not my style. So I think no. it depends on the person. But what I've learned is that the food does so much post contest. You can do so much with the food post contest mm -hmm. that you don't necessarily need to hammer the drugs like you would think. Can I give like a real example of maybe yeah. something I did recently with someone? 
I mean, th- if this might help this guy out, you know, let's say someone was running the typical, you know, test master on trend, some orals running into the show. Um, let's say, uh, let's see. I think what we did is we bumped his test back up to 500. He was maybe, I think we pulled his test the last 10 days or so, but the, he was only at like 350 tests right into that show. We bumped his test to 500 and we, uh, added in 400 milligrams of primable, you know, um, it's literally, it's, and we pulled all the orals. So this is in terms of milligrams, you know, cause I do come sometimes like to look at things in milligrams. It was less than half the milligrams of what he was taking leading into the show. And I think that's a fairly appropriate way to do it. It's not an exact formula, but I think, right. you know, we pulled, you know, we bumped his test up just a little bit, added a little bit of primable and then pulled out, you know, the trend, the master on, uh, halo testing, the, the Winstrol, um, all those other exotics, if you want to call them that. Right. Um, all right, got a bunch of these here, so we could probably try to just fly through as many as we can. Uh, James says, thanks for the podcast, lads. Uh, what do you guys think about injection protocols while on cycle? Uh, if you use long esters, would you roll on with once per week, twice per week, or every other day? Is there any real benefit of more regular shots keeping levels more stable? Andrew, you, I think you go more frequently than I do. I'm pretty much in every other day guy but don't you typically you go daily right off season i'm every other day and then pre-contest when we get to like six weeks out i like to go daily okay Uh, honestly i think the distinction between every other day and daily is like this much of a difference um i just am a creature habit during prep situations i want to do the same thing every day so after i take my shower when i get done from the gym i go to my little stash and i take whatever i need to take for the day yeah just because it's, you know what I mean, re- repetition. Except for Sundays, that's the day for the Lord. Yes, exactly. No, <laughs> no, no drugs on the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Uh, the uh, Which is funny because I don't take damn near anything on Sundays either. Not that I'm very religious, lazy. but nonetheless, it's my, yeah, it's my day off. I'm like, ooh, I don't have to take anything today. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is he, he touched on or was talking about too about long esters. I think it's important to, to say that. I still believe that even though the longer esters dissipates the EQs and things like that, I still think it's better to hit those at least twice a week. And if you're gonna, if you're on an every other day protocol, you might as well. And some people do this. Some people will say, "Well, I'll take my long esters once a week, and then my shorter esters the two or three times a week." You might as well just keep everything the same. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. that way, you don't screw up mentally and think you're on a different day or drop the wrong thing. You just—it's continuity. It's just the consistency of having the same thing every time. And then you take those long esters, even though they're long esters. And I think that that still allows the the. And I have not done any blood level, you know, blood reads or anything, but it just stands to. Re- reason that it would be logical mm-hmm. that they would maintain better even though they're longer esters if they're injected more frequently well, i think it was either episode 100 101 or 102 with scott stevenson and muscle minds we are looking at um some some uh, uh studies showing test sip may have a half-life of three and a half days depending on who's taking it so mm-hmm. you know we look at the, the 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 websites about steroids and it'll tell you it's like 10 days long but yeah. in the real world it might not be so that would be my first thought and the, my other thought is i'm with you guys 100 percent. like i i like the every other day protocol even with long esters especially in prep maybe not maybe not off season like if we were say like on 750 sustenon even might do a monday wednesday friday with that um but every other day is nice because i don't like the idea personally of having like one more one like more voluminous shot in my that yeah. happens to be now a shoulder and then having mm-hmm. a smaller shot you know that happens to end up in the glute you know that the next yeah. shot i'd rather well, just keep it all the same and the other one's not and it's irritating yeah yeah, yeah exactly even let me ask you guys this if you were doing let's say you're doing a shot of i don't know let's say it ends up being four cc's and you don't want to do four cc's in one spot do you measure out exactly so that each each vial, each syringe has the exact same amount of compounds? Let's say you're doing three different compounds. Do you measure them out so that each of them are the exact same? Say you're going to do bilateral shoulders because that's what I do. Like I if always I, if I have, do that. Yeah, 100 <laughs> megs of test and 50 megs of trend and yep. 50 megs of mass, whatever it might be. I want to make sure they're both equal. I don't want three cc's of test on this side and three cc's right. of something. Else. I want to make. I want it all evenly dispersed. Yep. Ooh, I'm, I'm excited. Excited. And I never do one side. I've ne- I haven't done an injection on one side and. 
10 years. It's always yeah. bilateral. Always. I'm not yeah. going to have one shoulder more sore than the other or one lat more. No. And it's going to be exactly the same comp. I love your OCD-ness. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, it another reason I think us. doing like a Monday, Wednesday, Friday type injection schedule is, you know, you can time your AIs to try to, you know, counteract when when uh, aromatase is going to be most active. And I think you can get away with taking less AIs because I know a lot of people mm. in prep, like I see some cycles where people are like a milligram of Arimidex at 20 weeks out, like, and they're doing like shots like Mondays and Thursdays. And I'm like, why are you taking that, you know, that, that dose of uh, Arimidex on like Wednesday, Thursday, when like aromatase isn't going to be that active because your test levels are, it just doesn't make right. sense to me. Like, like, I think we always want to try to maintain uh, most stable blood levels possible. Yeah. All right. right. Nick in the live feed asks us, how do you differentiate between severe body fatigue versus needing to just suck it up in the last weeks of prep? I'm not competing, but I'd say I'd be five-ish weeks out conditioning-wise, and I can barely stand up uh, off the couch sometimes. Major lethargy. Uh, stims have been pretty high, and sleep is terrible. I just question if it's supposed to be this brutal or if something needs to change. That's a tough one because there's not a lot of, we don't have a lot of information. It's, it's experience. I mean, it's experience with yourself, but it's also experience with seeing it with clients and getting and asking for specific feedback. Um, if you're, I'll say this, if you are just can barely stand up, you're in, you, it's, that's pretty rough. Prep is more, and you guys correct me if you feel differently. Prep is more, even at its worst, prep is more like, I'm dragging ass and I'm depleted, but when it's time to train, I can train. Like yep. I can make it happen. If you can't make it happen, then you have to question really you're you're too depleted, you're overtrained, your caloric intake is just absurdly low. Something, in my opinion, at that level is off. I will agree though that people have different measures or or gauges some people will be starving at 17 weeks out and they're no more hungry at 17 weeks out than they are at nine weeks out so it, it sometimes people are just different and sometimes people be hungry and they'll they'll gauge it as up oh, it's a two or three on a scale of one to ten there's just different tolerances too but if you can't function i would go to your training i would say what is your training like are you just ridiculously weak do you fall off a cliff after the first exercise or two or are you able to train because if you're able to train and maintain relative strength levels and pump and everything else then honestly i might say suck it up buttercup because the training if you're truly that exhausted to where you can't get up off the couch your training has to be suffering mad yeah would you guys agree that the stims, like if, if you do a prep or a diet with high stims, that you end up with more fatigue than if you don't rely on stims as much earlier? In oh, adrenal fatigue. Sure. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like I, I'll give you a quick one. That I have a girl compete at Universe. Yeah. I had, I had a girl that competed at Universe and, she, and you know, we pulled all the, all the stimulants of any types and, and she's like, man, I'm just so tired now that you pulled all the, the clen and stimulants. I'm like, whoa, whoa, no, you're tired because you got over the hump. Like you were focused for 20 weeks on this one goal. Yeah. Mentally, physically, you blocked everything out. Like the, the stims weren't even doing anything by the, by the time we got on stage. Like at that <laughs> point, we've been running the clen for five, six, you know, there, there weren't, there was 1% of that that was doing something for your body. You yeah. just have mentally crossed that hurdle and your body realizes, oh, I can relax now. And you're feeling that fatigue that you held on to during prep. Um, so I don't think that, yeah, I think the stems absolutely, I would ask him this, does he like, cause I find when people describe what he's describing, they're actually not hungry at all. They're just like, I lost my appetite. Oh completely. yeah. Yeah. So I point. think that's, and to me, that's a sign. Okay. Well, we need to pull back. Like we're going to pull your training back to like three 30 minute sessions of just going in there and like, like pumping for the mirror type shit. If that, right. it, or we might even pull it for 10 days straight. I've gone as extreme as just pulling training for 10 days straight. We're going to pull your cardio and we're just going to do 20 minute walks outside to get some sunshine in the morning. And we're going to feed you up. Probably we're going to bump your, uh, maybe your carbs. If you're, if you're eating, let's say you're at 150 grams of carbs a day, we're probably going to double those for five days and then reassess how you're feeling, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, 
it's hard to say without seeing the pictures. It's hard to say without yep. going through this journey sure. with him up to this point yeah. of like what his responses were, how his body was responding to the changes he made. So it's really hard to say, but I do think, look, go back to what Skip said of like, if you're going in the gym and like even your first exercise, you're like, oh, how am I going to fucking do this? It's definitely time for a break. Also, if it's anything other than that, he said he was five weeks out or he thinks he's five. If you're five weeks out and your condition is five weeks out and you're dragging ass, that's different. But if you're not truly five weeks out and you're, you still have a substantial amount of body fat, and you're that depleted and you're that beat down, I'd be taking a closer look at what you're doing. I'd start adjusting things. Yeah. All right. John Wayne is with us and he's getting ready for a show. He says, thanks for all the content, fellas. Currently nine weeks out of my first show. What do you guys think about me finishing my prep cycle uh, weekly at 500 milligrams test uh, master on at 400 uh, trend at trend ace at 150 uh, Winstrel at 50 milligrams a day. Uh, then it, it looks like he's saying he wants to go to. Uh, 500 test. Like yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And using Clanet 20 micrograms three times per day. He says, what do we think about him finishing his contest cycle out at that? I'm a pro- I don't know what he was doing before. Yeah. I mean, that, there's nothing yeah. that stands out there that says that's, you know, crazy or insane or, or yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's nothing there. I mean, maybe you just might want to work with the test a little bit, depending on you know your aromatization and if uh, if you feel like you know you're you're carrying a little estrogen. But because he didn't mention anything about AIs or anything like that, but right, um, true. But that doesn't seem like a bar fetch cycle at all. All right, Lake Fork Giant says, "Question for the next show: um, I have a hard time staying asleep for a few years now." Gear seems to exa- ex- uh, exasperate. Exas- Can you say exasper- that word? Exasperate. exasperate. Thank you. The problem. I knew Skip. See, we all got our words, Scott. We all got our words. <laughs> I guess we do. Uh, the problem. I have a bunch of them. Um, so I stay on low doses of test now. Um, he says, uh, I've tried a lot of medications and supplements um, like diphenhydramine, HCL, Benadryl. Uh, seems to help the best. There's a study saying that this drug hinders recovery from training. Do you guys uh, know anything about this? Any ideas would be appreciated. Rest is one of the things that is really slowing down my progress. I can't tell them that there's studies to say that diphenhydramine increases uh, the chance of Alzheimer's. The study were done at the the college I went to. Did it really? Did they? Yeah. yeah, one of uh, my clients was a doctor that worked on it. I still take it regular, fairly regularly for sleep. Do you really? Yeah, yeah, it it, it helps tremendously. But yeah, that's the one thing I'm scared of is being is being demented. Wait, who are you? Where am I? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm scared of it too, but I still use, uh, what is it, antiper- antiperspirant. <laughs> So oh, maybe they've the changed aluminum? the formula over the years. I don't know. Yeah, I just I eat you know aluminum what? too. I just don't care. We have Before to we check a bunch of it, you know. I wanted to <laughs> I ask Skip person. how you, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I want to ask Skip how you you tried the relax blend, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No. Oh, oh no, it was okay. actually for my wife, but she uh, is not comfortable yet using it. Which is you guys are sitting I mean, on the I, couch. Was, I respect that. That's fine. So it's kind of sitting there waiting for her to. Well, she's sitting on uh, the the couch, other thing is, just... in, in her defense, she has started to train and started a diet. So she's actually sleeping very well versus how she was sleeping before. But it's sitting there waiting for her. I'm not going to ask her about it. I'm going to wait for her to ask me about it. So I don't, why don't you, I haven't used it. And I don't have to. Let her I sleep you. like a fucking rock. Why don't you let her see you take it, though? So that, like, uh, like, I could, um, but I just I figure I've guinea pigged myself with drugs for <laughs> how many years? I don't need to do one more. <laughs> <laughs> this is where you draw the line, huh? Yeah, I draw the line at melatonin and natural GABA. amino acids is where Skip draws the yeah. line. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. None of none of that shit that's not going right. to work or make me bigger ripped. <laughs> so, so back to this guy's question. Yeah, I would have him uh, go on and order the ZRT uh, diurnal cortisol test. It's where you spit in the tube four times throughout the day. It's, it sounds like 
like he is he falling asleep and waking up in the middle of the night? Can you just put that up one more time? I just want to make sure I have this right. Yeah, I, I don't think he. Said, I don't think he said. He just, I don't think, yeah, I don't think he said. He just said um, hard time. Hard time hard staying time. asleep. Okay, oh. so I, I read that as is he's falling asleep and he's waking up. So what happens is, in a lot of us, uh, overtraining, overstressing our adrenals, we flip flop our circadian. And normally, you're supposed to have a high cortisol release in the morning. It's going to dip down throughout the day and should be lowest around midnight or so. So what happens is that gets flip flopped a little bit and you get that spurt, that uh, spurt somewhere around two or three o'clock in the morning and a diurnal cortisol test where you spit in the tube will, will, will help confirm that. And then to remedy that, if that's what it is, he needs rest, deload, detox. So um, if he wants, he can hire me for like a full program for it. Not trying to sell my services, but just saying that um, I have a program that I do with people when in this particular situation and it works and it involves several supplements. It, re- it involves rest, involves deloading. Um, it usually takes about six to eight weeks to completely combat. And then people are usually fine and they are right back to sleep again, like normal. So. Nice. I also suggest he goes, um, if he goes back in the archive on our podcasts, um, I had Dr. Dean on. If you search for, uh, hacking sleep with Dr. Dean St. Mart. He explains uh, what's happening with our neurotransmitters and what goes wrong, including like what goes long, wrong when we use Trend. And um, mm-hmm. he has a product called the Sleep Stack from Supplement Needs. And actually, we have a code. Like, I don't get any kind of kickback, but you guys get, I think, 20% off um, advices. That's how old that code is. Uh, and it still works because somebody recently told me they used it. But he has a really good product. Um, it's 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 worth it because if you buy everything individually, uh, that's in it, you can do that too. But it would be like really expensive to get them all individually. Mm-hmm. So just one other thing to consider. When I've taken that, it hasn't necessarily like knocked me out, but I've ended up getting really good rest. And when I wake up, I feel like. Do you guys remember there was an old cartoon? Most of our listeners and viewers won't remember this. Skip will. Do you remember it was called like the sound of the South from, and, and there was, Skip was a voice on the show. He was a voice on the show. (laughs) That's fucked up. There's the cartoon little bluebird that's like on the guy's shoulder and he's all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's me when I've used that product. Uh, I think it's the five HTP, but it's like, I wake Mm -hmm. up and like that little bird's on my shoulder. I'm like, this is the best day of my life. I slept so good. Am I the only one who sleeps well on trend? I don't know. I must. I think I'm an outlier. Since I, I switched to daily, problems. yeah. Since I switched daily injections, not a single problem. But when I used to do like, like Monday, Thursday, Saturday, like it was no real necessary rhyme or reason. Like every three days, yeah, I absolutely really? saw. Okay. I, I would be staring at that fan. Oh God. Wow. Um. All right. Let's see. I'll just jump forward here to try to keep us moving. Billy G. He says, coaches. What do you think about doing a trial peak week about four to five weeks out before a show? Is there something to be gained or will it detract from prep? By peak week, I mean primarily doing a carb deplete for three to four days, then have carb taper back up 300 to 600 on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. During depletion, the workouts are mostly pump, no crazy intensity. Um, Have you done this with clients? I am six weeks out and my first show ever and I am considering this trial peak week. I could probably use a bit of a deload before the final weeks, uh, which the pump workouts would serve the purpose of. I would also like to see what happens when the carbs deplete uh, three to four days. Your thoughts? Absolutely. I think the only, I would imagine, I mean, we all do it. Most, maybe not with every single client, but you usually, uh, especially with a new client or a new competitor, you have to, maybe not four or five weeks out, sometimes it's a little bit closer, yeah. but it's certainly not bad. If you, The question is whether you're in condition or not, that's, whether yeah. you're running behind, you have the time, or if you're pushing the 11th hour, that's the bigger issue. You have to be able to give up potential progress for that time that you're doing that. But it's a, it's a great idea because then you're not going in blind. The benefit for us as coaches is because we've done it for so long, even without a trial run, we are far more likely to get it right or very, very close to getting it right without the trial run. But it's still always better to get a trial run if you can. Even if you, even something like, um, 
mild diuretic use or manipulation of water as mm. well, combined with carbs. If you can get that in there, that's great. And it's, it's important that those workouts are not at 100% while you're doing it <clears throat> because you don't want to deal with the water manipulation and going in and trying to train heavy, uh, not being fully hydrated, uh, depletion, you know, days and stuff like that, which I'm not big on depletion personally, but that doesn't mean that it's wrong. Plenty of coaches use it and that's their method and that's fine. Uh, it just depends. There are different coaches that have different methods. So uh, definitely, def if you have the time to be able to do that, absolutely do it, especially for your first show. If nothing else, it'll give you peace of mind because you'll have a better idea of how things are going to play out. Let me add one more thing, and that is with the skip loading protocol my clients, because I typically, not always, but I typically load them peak week in some fashion of skip loading, because we've skip loaded so many of those weeks for the prep, a lot of that is already understood. We have a very, very good idea of not only how much they're going to fill out and how much they need, but how many days it takes for them to dry out, what they look like the next day, how long they're going to hold water. So that gives us a shit half of the trial uh, mm -hmm. run that you would do it gives you half of that information then from there really all yeah i mean i could take a skip load it was someone four weeks out and i could just manipulate their water a little bit and then know that adding if i had to a diuretic on top of that because i've seen so many clients over so many years i have a pretty good idea of how they're going to respond i don't know exactly how they're going to because everybody's different uh, weapon x same thing he said that you know he didn't move as much water as he wanted to sometimes that'll happen but it's always good to get a trial if you can spare the time I go with that. Anything you wanted to add, Andrew? I had like six things, but then Skip moved on to like the next one. I was like, oh, I got something about that too. And then he moved, <laughs> but no, 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 no. It was all good. It was all good. It was all good. All right, cool. Then let's rapid fire the rest of these because we have uh, so many that we need to get through. Uh, Chris says, question for the next episode. Do you guys think, what do you guys think about Anavar and Winstrel sublingual pre-workout on training days? Training days only, basically. Thanks for the great info swallow it i mean yeah <laughs> i mean come on now <laughs> next be a good girl <laughs> well, but then no no so the, I, i'm assuming there was like a test base or something else in there mm. can we assume that yeah like like it's not just an anivar only cycle and you're not just training three days a week and getting 50 megs of anadrol or, or sorry anivar or winstrol three or four days a week. I'm assuming there's more to this cycle. So if that's the case, Good then point. yeah, I don't see a problem with it. Good point. All right. Um, awesome show as always. Thank you. He says, uh, currently five weeks out from my bodybuilding show. What do you guys think of dropping testosterone and upping the dose of DHTs like Masteron and Winstrel four weeks out? I seem to lose the last pounds of fat in my midsection and thinking of getting uh, that estrogen down to lose bloat and water. I'm very sensitive to estrogen conversion. Currently on 500 tests, 200 mast E, 100 trend ACE, uh, 80 micrograms of Clen, and 40 milligrams of Winstrel. First, I want to point out, I'm seeing, we're seeing a lot of um, cycles with like really, really low trend doses, like 100 a week, yeah. 150 a week from the last one. I just thought that was kind of interesting. Unless yeah, he needs like every other day or something. But yeah. <laughs> oh, he's, oh, he's taking 500 tests, 400 master on and 100 every, no. probably, but, yeah, probably every week. Well, which well is, I think that's, what, I, what I wanted yeah. to point out though, is I think people are seeing that like, Hey, you don't need to be doing 600 milligrams of, of trend to get the effects. Like I, yeah. I told you, I had a guy running 30 milligrams a day and he came in looking as if, you know, he was running 50 to hundred megs a day, but, yeah. um, I, I don't think he necessarily needs to pull his test completely. I, I would say maybe try dropping it to 250 and see, you know, how his physique is looking. I don't, I don't think you need to go from one extreme all the way to the other immediately. Why don't you drop down to 300 or 250 and see how you're doing there in terms of the estrogen? Um, and then you can reassess. Cause it sounds like, what do you say? Six weeks out. He's got yeah. plenty of time. He's yeah, going to notice in two weeks if, okay, five, yeah. So if he does that, he's going to notice in 10, 12 days, you know, if that adjustment, um, you know, work for him and then he can decide further. Does he need to go a little more or is that the right spot to stay for him? Okay. You good with that skip? Yeah, I am. I, it's funny. I was smiling because I was going to say the same thing. Drop to two or 300. I was going to go with maybe even increase whatever you drop, increase 100 or 200 milligram on the Masteron. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't oh, yeah. drop it completely. To me, taking, yeah. and this is just me, taking Masteron without tests, I don't, I'm not a big fan of that. It just works so 
synergistically <laughs> with the, you know, with testosterone that it, it, they, you know, it complements the tests and, you know, increases free testosterone, all that good shit. So, uh, and, and a mild anti-estrogen property too. So I wouldn't drop it all the way either. Thank you for tuning in to another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. If we've provided value to you today, then please consider contributing to our show. You can help support the show through Patreon. Every $5 helps to pay for the software and the hardware and everything else that goes into making a podcast. You can also contribute by using our code at True Nutrition. True Nutrition has been our title sponsor for several years now. I'm super grateful for them. And I've believed in True Nutrition supplements long before they sponsored our programming. You could use our code THINK for health supplements and performance supplements. Feel free to hit me up if you have any questions. And if you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have free shipping over $99, huge discounts on overstock, short dated, and label change products. Plus, they have all your normal supplements too. Thank you guys for listening to the commercial. I hope you're having a great day and that your bodybuilding is going well. Let's get back to the shelf. All right. Okay. Question for the next show, a legit training, non gear question from Justin. He says, uh, I read Skip's article. Whoops. I read Skip's article about doing vacuums to bring the waste in. What else can I do to bring my thick ass waste in years of strong man has left me with a ton of injuries and a thick trunk. I'm moving to men's physique and my waist is a factor. Um, I'm leaning out and my abs are visible. But the leaner I get, the thicker they are. Love the show, guys. Thanks. So well, I did write another article after the vacuum thing. And that was the three things. And it involved um, not only the vacuums and obviously abdominal training, but oblique training. Because I think oblique training got a really bad rap in the, last, in the late 80s. People were doing heavy side bends and they were getting thick obliques. And then as an industry, we just kind of went, oh, bad idea. Don't train your obliques horrible horrible idea and i'm pissed at myself for not revisiting it sooner than i did if you train your obliques correctly they will actually help to keep your waist smaller and it will help to keep and this is what i've been getting so much attention for from older guys and i won't mention any names but some bigger name dudes have contacted me and said oh my god i was given your article this is a this is fucking gold i might actually be able to go back huh. and start training again and i want to get my pro card where i wasn't able to do that because i knew the distension would kill me and it wouldn't allow me to do that so anyway um obviously the vacuums are hugely important because the tva that's that's i've gone on and on about that before but the oblique training is important now i don't know his particular situation if from strongman he just really has thick i'm gonna say something that might seem a little bit odd but if it's truly thickness through his obliques, through his abs, and everything else, I would literally not train him. Yeah. I would let yeah. those fuckers atrophy to some because first you if you have a strong trunk, then giving up some of that side, you're still gonna maintain a lot of that. And if you're training for men's physique, you're not gonna be training something like strongman or powerlifting. So you don't need that level of strength through your core, for lack of a better word, but through your midsection and everything else. You're not gonna need that. I would never tell somebody who's training heavier in bodybuilding to do that. But in men's physique, it may actually benefit him because he'd be able to bring him down. But still I'm not convinced that not training obliques correctly. I, I really think that that can help a lot of people. Now, I don't know if he has distension. I don't know if it's just thick abdominals. See, sometimes people say, well, I got a thick abdominals. And really what they mean is I was a strong man and I'm still fat. I ain't lean enough yet. Now, I don't know if that's what he's saying, but it, it could be. So get really lean first if you're not to make sure that you know, the abs come down, especially if you're holding intra-abdominal fat, which a lot of us do, older Guys will hold that fat in. It's not sub-Q fat. It's fat inside around your fucking organs. And it's actually the most unhealthy of all of them anyway. And a lot of times when you get lean as fuck, and the, obviously that body fat, that intra-abdominal fat comes down too, not only are you healthier, but then all of a sudden you have this waist where you're like, uh, it ain't as big as I thought it would be. It's pretty fucking lean, and it could be pretty small. Hell of a transition, though, going from strongman to men's physique. I got yeah, right. Yeah, that, that, I that one got me. Pull that off. Yeah, I'm yeah. pulling for him. Hey guys, using Hunalog only two days a week right now for back and legs. The bottle says it can be used for only 30 days after opening. Is it safe to use longer, and how long before it goes bad? Hard telling. Yeah. I mean, if you kept it in the fridge and 
you kept it in a in a spot where it's not getting sunlight, it's not getting shaken. It's 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 basically just staying in that vial still. It should still be pretty good. Now, one way to test it out, and I have people do this when they're like, "Hey, I found a bottle of insulin." The same thing I said earlier: like, take two or three units first thing in the morning. You know, get up, check your blood glucose, take two or three units, chart how much it makes you drop. If, if it doesn't drop at all, you know, then it's not good anymore. But if it's still dropping, then it's working. It's real. It's working. You went. You went in it the good way. I was going to say, take five, wait till you go hypo, and then have some well, carbs okay. ready. <laughs> if you don't go I hypo, just don't. it's bad. I just don't want any of that uh, inadvertent manslaughter charges yeah. coming my way. So Skip yeah. told you to go five. I said you <laughs> two in the monitor with blood glucose. <laughs> yeah. I have a friend who's given me insulin, uh, type one diabetic, who's basically been on it all his life. And uh, I've asked him, I was like, hey, that insulin you gave me, is that still good? He's like, yeah, I'd still use it. You know, he's like, I forget how long he said, but it's like an obnoxious yeah. amount of time that it's still good. Yeah. I, I if it's a bottle of Novolin, throw it away. If it's a bottle of Humulin R, because it costs about what eight times as much, then you might want to check it out. But Novolin, $30 a bottle, throw that shit out. All right. We got another guy. Three weeks out for a show. Uh, three weeks out from a show. And Is everybody love- competing? What I know. Fuck? It's cool. Everybody it's but me, guys. I'd love to hear your full water manipulation protocol for a 210-pound heavyweight competitor. Um, full example, final week. And it doesn't matter if the person has issues with the past, was sweating a lot. Also, um, would love to hear an example of skip loading protocol. And uh, has this changed through the years? Thanks in advance, Scott. Uh, I got to move this in. Oh, <laughs> in your face, Gertrude. That was a comment I made the other day. Uh, comment almost wrecked my truck laughing. I like to know when we can almost make our listeners crash. <laughs> Uh, Josh, I'm going to take a shot at you. Nice try getting full water manipulation <laughs> protocol and skip loading <laughs> protocol. Props to you, Josh. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, but no, even more than that, wouldn't like, I don't have a water manipulation right. protocol. True. I don't have, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, especially if there's an experienced competitor, I say, okay, you know, what did you do last time? How do you feel like it worked? How, it'd be stupid not to ask those questions, right? If if sure. they looked really good and you helped them put on this muscle and you want to repeat a, a, a good peak for them. So I don't think there's like a water protocol that, that you know, it's trial. That, that's why you would do that trial run that someone asked about, you know, the six weeks out question. Sure. You know? well, let me ask you this, Andrew. Um, if you're doing a water, uh, let's say a water depletion with a client, how often are you looking at them, either in person or in pictures, during that, during that, say, during the week? Can you even count how yeah. many times you see them? <laughs> well, so as we get closer to the show, literally, it's like, okay, eat meal one, and then an hour later, I want pictures. After meal two, an hour later, pictures. And you're That's adjusting like, based off of those pictures, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Because, yeah, or okay. how it's trending for the pictures. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. It may exactly. not be every meal, but it's the, what's the trajectory? Where, Which way is it going here? What's going on? Yes, exactly. Yeah. I ask for every meal. Now, sometimes clients, I think they think I'm annoying, so they, they might send it like every other meal or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like, guy, like, I'm just here, or girl, I'm, I'm I'm just here trying to help you look your best. So like if it's yeah. like too much of a pain for you to like go and jump, bring your scale with you, jump on it real quick. And then yeah. wear something that you can take pictures in, have your tripod ready at work or wherever one front, one back shot, whether it's a guy front, double back, double, whatever it is, you know, yep. that's all I'm asking for. It's literally like a pee break, you know, yeah. but something, you know, people are when prep, they're like, Oh, just another thing to do. And, but yeah, no, I, I more information is better, you know, in my opinion. So, yeah. All right, um, real quick one, another quick one here. Great show, guys, from our live feed, Alfonso. Alfonso's back. By the way, uh, Alfonso has his own podcast, Skip. He's the very oh, no wealthiest kid. man in the suit, yes. He's a lawyer. Oh, yeah, Alfonso. Yeah. Yep. yeah, he's a lawyer. He's a what? He's a lawyer. I could tell. I could tell. You could tell, yeah. He's either a lawyer or like a really successful like real estate. Yeah, I could see that, too. Yeah, yeah. But I could see, I could see lawyer. He says uh, just basically slowing down whey protein digestion. Uh, he's using whey protein at night. Currently, he's been adding uh, pea protein milk, uh, 4.5 grams of fat, uh, 8 grams of protein, and zero carb. He says, I throw in a cup of 2% Greek yogurt, too. So basically, he just wants to try to slow that, that digestion down in the More evening. Fat. Yeah. Well, it depends Aside too. What, wait, what, what? I missed it. What was the uh, the protein 
type. He's what just was said he, whey? whey? Just said whey. Just said whey protein. Yeah. yeah. If it's whey, that's going to be a little quicker. I recommend this really strong blend that a lot of top prep guys use called uh, t- uh, Team Skip Blend from Team Nutrition. Yeah, I've heard of it. Marshmallow um, Treat. Yep, exactly. But because it's a blend, um, it does move a little bit slower than the way it's still you're still drinking it's not going to be like a you know a solid protein source exactly (laughs) that would have more fat in it um but it does i mean egg white uh casein and um microfiltrated uh way but anyway add fat to it fat will help to slow down um even if you have to take some fat from other meals or a meal or two prior or like prior to that meal or earlier in the day that can help you. I think I'm assuming that basically what he's saying is he's probably hungry at night or starving when he gets up in the morning. It's not going to make it last all night, but if you're having trouble sleeping because you may wake up to pee and you're hungry, added fat at that time with that last meal and take it right before you go to bed. I think a lot of people sometimes assume, Oh, I can't have a meal before you go. Yeah. You have a meal before you go to bed. It's just not a great yeah. idea to take a bunch of carbs in before you go to bed, unless you train late in the day, because those carbs really aren't going to be needed. It could be argued that carbs aren't really going to cause you too much problem uh, prior to bed, especially if you train early in the morning. There's, it's just a lot, there's a lot of individuality there, uh, but add fat. Psyllium husk too. That'd be yeah, absolutely. Fatter fiber. That's that's true. I should have said fatter fiber because those help to slow down the rate that everything hits your bloodstream. Or even um, I'll give one other thing, depending on when he's training and et cetera, you know, because a lot of times there were times where like I wasn't hungry when it was time for my next meal. But and I, and I had to go to bed to get a good quality night's sleep. But then I w- always wake up and use the bathroom in the night, have the shake just sitting there on the bathroom counter. So pee down the hatch, go right back to bed. All right. We got a couple more here. Let's try to keep these moving. Um, Okay. So this is about uh, Paul. I believe he has a, he's, he's a up and comer up and coming podcaster. Now question for the next show. Uh, Justin Harris has a client, Paul Barnett, um, who has gained like 80 pounds of solid weight in a year by doing Mike Isratel's training system, uh, but adding a ton of insulin. Lantus every day and Humalog three times uh, a week, three, uh, three times a week, three times a day. Um, is there any uh, crazy synergy going on here between the high volume Um, training push-pull legs with only one rest day on Saturday and the constant influx of insulin, I feel like most people would break running uh, push-pull legs back-to-back without rest days. But maybe this guy has something figured out with extremely high carbs, high volume, high insulin. You And you, I remember he posted something. This is the guy who posted on his things and his video, right? Skip saying that, uh, cause I sent it to you saying like he knew he's like, Oh, I know skip. I had been on intense muscle or something like yeah. that. Okay. That's him. Yeah. So you, do we you have to us. race through this one? Um, okay. Here's the thing. That was my but way I, of I, keeping you from going for an hour. Okay. Fair enough, fair <laughs> enough. And I can't do it in like 20 seconds either. Okay. Um, okay. I'm, and I'm going to be very, very careful. How I say this because Paul is a great guy. He's made incredible progress. He was really he, good. He, he, oh, no question. He got into insane condition. And then his next show, he made huge, huge progress. And I don't want to leave out Justin Harris. Justin Harris and I came up together from early 2000s on the anabolics uh, board. He uh, he does excellent work. Great guy. Great fam. All that sort of shit. He knows his shit backwards and forwards but i am gonna say this first i'll say that the protocol i'm not familiar with the fact that he's using insulin and he's making great progress that cannot be denied he has made incredible progress from that first show to the second but here's the part that could potentially sting and he might not like me saying this hopefully he takes it for the way that i mean it he was massively over and that's almost a gross understatement he was massively over dieted for that first show Um, i remember this guy uh, yeah 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 i mean uh borderline emaciated like he Mm, was it was just he got ridiculously shredded there's no question he was literally on a mission i think just to see and i respect it just to see how fucking retardedly lean i can get like i don't want that once yeah 
I competed at, at one ninety five, and the next time I competed bigger, I ended up coming in at like one eighty one because I yeah. I was on that mission. <laughs> and, and he did. I mean, he accomplished it. He fucking made a statement and everything. But in the process, yeah. I think he chewed up a lot of fucking muscle tissue. Mm, so when he sure. came off of that show, and this is what I always talk about: insulin sensitivity. He could not have been more insulin sensitive. Yeah. He yeah. was going to grow like fucking crazy, and he did. I actually messaged him and said something to the effect of. Um, that he just to be that he was making great progress five that I had seen his pictures like oh my god but be careful because the amount of weight that you're gaining in such a short amount of time really can be detrimental or it can become dangerous I don't know if I use the word dangerous or not but I was I hope it was received the way that I meant it because I meant it just as please don't let anything happen to you gaining all this weight but he kept his condition he kept a very good yeah. condition and he came into that second show like he had five years or more of training in between. Holy so shit. all I'm going to say is whatever he did, whatever happened worked, but had he not gotten so, so ridiculously lean and small for the first show, he pro I think that factored into his progress more I don't want to take anything away from this is of course guy I, I think I, I think if he's listening he understands that like okay you're, you, I would think so too. you mean all of this in the best way and that you're right. not being like hyperglee critical in a negative way you're just saying like shit ton of progress still maybe it's a little less dramatic if you factor in how emaciated he put himself in right like still right. still crazy awesome yeah yep. maybe not 80 pounds awesome but like 50 pounds awesome you know now how much of it factored the insulin protocol factored into it i don't know i mean I, look i give and i've said before insulin done the right way it, it can it for a lot of people well for some people depending if you're <laughs> you know how it goes um because everybody's individual can really make some big changes i just don't know what part of that is the insulin protocol versus the fact that he came in so light anyway i'd like to see and you can't the contrast if he would have not used the insulin protocol and just reverse dieted out like he had done and then went on stage and he was i mean he was ridiculously bad i want to say he was like I don't know, 30, 30 or 40 pounds bigger. And I want to say he weighed in at like 240 for the show or 230 or something like that. And he, it was just night and day. So either yeah. way, he made ridiculous progress. But I think what makes it so much more dramatic is because he, the before and after, the one show to the other makes okay. it look like he didn't have that muscle, but he lost a lot of muscle mm -hmm. in that process. And I want to think... And I know I'm assuming this, but I want to think that that Justin was more like, I really don't want to do this. But he wanted to get his just fucking lean and it just is it, it, pretty much at the risk of some muscle tissue yeah. to do that and then come out of it. And it's funny because I'm I'm not doing it to that degree, but I'm doing the same damn thing. I'm getting lean as fuck so that I can grow. So if that was his plan, fucking A to him and thumbs up to you because it worked. <laughs> All right, we'll keep moving here because, like I said, we still have a bunch of them. Um, Brett says, hey, guys, I recently saw Vigorous Steve's post saying that test flu is caused by the carrier oils. Is test flu the same thing as trend coughed? It happened to me before, and I thought I was dying at the time. Is there any way to ensure that we're putting what we're putting into our bodies has a safer carrier oil in it, such as castor oil? Uh, is a pharma TRT company the only way to go versus UGL? Thanks for trying to avoid systematic inflammation, uh, especially in the heart. I'll start out by telling him, um, check out two things. We talked about this when we had Vigorous Steve on the show with Scott Stevenson. And we talked about this um, when we had Chase Irons on Blood, Sweat & Gear. Skip was away that week. So I'd say check out those two things because we did talk about carrier oils and inflammation from those things. Uh, but I would also say that test flu and trend cough are two different things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you guys have to say on this one? Uh, I believe test flu is caused by a metabolite, um, eticolinone, which is a testosterone derivative, which your body senses as a foreign invader, like an infection, and causes that um, that that uh, flu-like response that you get. 
And, and Trenkoff is just literally the shot going pulmonary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Trenkoff is completely I mean, different. Yeah, let's yeah. just call it space. Which, which, yeah. which you can get Trenkoff from any injectable, yeah. right? You can. Um, yeah. It's just Trenbolone. Um, it's more frequent because of the. Uh, I'm gonna forget. There, uh, I think that a just like one droplet in there, you get such a response from like the cytokines or something like that that just like freeze up the lungs and start to constrict them like crazy. Let me ask you real quick. Do you guys, when you get it, because I'll, I'm not going to tell you what I do. I'm going to ask you first. Do you then just take deep breaths and just work it out? Or do you breathe really shallow and just fight to not let it happen? I just start coughing like crazy on purpose. Just like yeah. it's going to happen. I, so like, just get it over with. Here's the thing. I I fight it and I keep very short mid mid um, breath rate. And damn it, it doesn't hit me anywhere near. As soon huh. as I take a big deep breath. Damn. I fucking just. <laughs> well, usually when I do it, it's it's because I'm I taking it when I'm lean. So then like I, I I cough like crazy. Then I look in the mirror and I'm like, damn, I look good. Oh, yeah. You're like, it's worth it. It's totally insane. worth it. You start it's worth like, it. I need this trend cough before I go out on stage. <laughs> yep. Oh, gosh. All right. Um. All right. Oh, I met Kat. Katrina, she's uh, out in the UK. She brought us some delicious treats, too. She's an amazing baker. She says, I have a client, um, Barbers, uh, about to have her stomach banded and ghrelin gland removed. I didn't know that was a thing. Um, She has been doing well with my diet advice, though, and uh, even started... Even stated she was shocked at how much food she can eat and lose weight. I've been trying my best to talk her out of it. What's your guys' opinion on this kind of surgery? Well, I'm going to admit, I am right now Googling ghrelin gland. Yeah, I didn't think there was a gland that releases ghrelin. Uh, I know. I, that's what, it's just I'm kind st- of an odd thing. The stomach signals the pituitary gland to release hormones, but I don't. We need a friend from Victoria. I don't know what that means. Victoria would answer that. Well, but well, well, well she's the, okay. So you're banding the stomach. You're, you're having a laparoscop- the, the lap band surgery. The ghrelin gland removed. Well, let's focus on the banded stomach. I mean, I'm sure you guys yeah. have known people. I've had several people come to me and be like, hey, I just had a lap band done, you know, uh, or, or gosh, I forget the name of the surgery, but I guess uh, bariatric, right? There's one guy bariatric, who listens to our show that actually had half of his stomach removed. Yeah. 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 The band I would is just the say, yes. uh, lesser of the. Um, it's not removing it. That's just kind of cutting it off in a sense, right? Choking it off. I don't know. What's yeah. the best way Which to explain seems dangerous. it? But yeah. I would just say, look, I would be very investigative on the success rates in terms of where someone is at a year, three years, five years from having that done. And my opinion, I think, is that it's not very high because they didn't change their behavior, most, most of those people. I mean, they have TV shows dedicated to this kind of stuff. Um, of all the you failures. Could, you could stretch it back out, too. That, that's know? the other point. The, it will stretch, it stretch. Even though it's confined well, and it's tight, it will stretch like anything else. Again, because the behavior hasn't changed. Mm-hmm. Like, you got to exactly. change the behaviors. Before, you know what I mean? And here's um, the catch. She's making, you know, she says that she's making progress. She's talking how much food she can eat and lose weight. It's to me, and, and this isn't, I don't want to take a shot at the person who wants it. I understand um, that her client, you know, wants us to get her, you know, life under control and her eating and everything else. But if you're progressing, just ride it and see what happens because that could eliminate an incredibly invasive surgery with tons of potential complications, not only during the surgery, but afterwards and further down the line. It's just a very, it's a much higher risk surgery, I think, than most people think. Plus it, it limits how much food you can eat, healthy food, you know? So Mm -hmm. it's, I've had people who have said like, yeah, you know, I want to do bodybuilding. And then it's like, you can't eat a lot. You know, they can get a little bit of protein in, a little carbs in, no room for vegetables then. It it just, I think it does add complications. I've seen people who really have struggled because they can't eat the volume they had before. So, yeah. Well, it's Um, equivalent of sewing your mouth shut. I mean, I'm not trying to sound like a dick, but it's like sewing 80% of your mouth shut and you can only get a straw in or something. I mean, you're, you're going to, you're, it doesn't solve the psychological component or relationship to food. And, you know, so you're putting a, in a sense, a bandaid on a stab wound. 
All right. If only they could like isolate like the anorectic gene and then like transfer it to these people and then take some of this gene yeah, that these people yeah. have and, and like you know what I mean? Have create a whole bunch of healthy people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But the anorexic the part is a psychological disorder too. I had a friend die in uh, a oh, long time God. with a diet in a hospital bed, refusing to eat. But anyway. Uh, I know you guys, that's not how you meant it. <laughs> you guys discussed cramping on Clen. Is cramping common with albuterol as well? Last week, I added 15 milligrams of albuterol a day, split up into three doses. Um, the last few days, I've noticed some leg cramps, um, especially in my adductors groin area. Electrolytes and taurine help, and I'm drinking probably a gallon and a half of water a day, but still... As a kid, I had exercise-induced asthma, so I was always hitting the inhaler. I kind of thought I knew what to expect. I've never experienced uh, groin cramps. I don't use and haven't had clients use albuterol probably five times in the 20 years that I've been prepping, and I've never used it. I could hypothesize. I mean, if he took taurine and that eliminated the cramps, then I guess it's very possible, but I don't know. I don't know if there's a connection there or not. Yeah, I mean, it's a chemical cousin, um, so it stands to reason that, right. you know, if the taurine deleting effects would, would still hold. But I also sometimes wonder, like, why do people go to things like albuterol when we know, like, clenbuterol works? Like, I yeah. feel like albuterol is kind of like, mm, I kind of want to burn some fat. I kind of don't. But yeah. I feel like it's safer when I don't think it's any safer. I just think it's, it's less of a potent fat burner, really. Yeah, it's I have like so just much take of it. A third of the dose of Clen, because that's yeah. probably what a moderate dose of albuterol is going to do to you. It's or not like, the same like, thing. I don't want anybody to call me on that. But the point is, is I'm I'm with you. It's just kind of like you should have tried the truth. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. it's going to work, we, and, and we all know what the sides are from Clen, and then then we don't know as much about albuterol. Look at it this way: if it worked very well, or it worked as well, we would have experience we would using know about it, it, and we don't. Yeah, I've tried it, you know, for fat burning in the past didn't work. I've used it in the last year. I've had a prescription of it for my lungs. I've taken uh, my doctor asked me, she was like, do you want the two milligram or the four milligram? I was like, the four. four. You know? <laughs> uh, and, and using four milligrams a couple times a day, I I didn't notice any cramping, whereas I've used low doses of Clen and I've got cramping really quick from it, you know, yeah. when you're dieting. So yeah. I think it comes down to uh, the albuterol is more specific to the smooth muscle tissue of the lungs. Yeah. And less specific to the contractile tissue. All right. I think we can wrap this thing up here, guys. This is uh, this is pretty solid. We've got a bunch of questions. Yeah, out. We, uh, cool. you know, did a bunch of stuff here. And we had that other episode that we did with Weapon X, which is pretty cool. I hope he does really well. I, you know, I, re I think I really want to see him do well. I feel like there's a lot of people behind him. I like his perspective. Right. I think it seemed pretty healthy. And he hasn't been in the sport very long. He's had a lot of success early on. So I was kind of glad to see that he seems to have a pretty good balance and have a pretty good perspective on everything. You can't help but root for people like that. Well, oh, yeah. I can't root for him if he's standing next to Manny. Yeah, I was, I was yeah. just going to say, where did Manny finish at New York? Was he third uh, or fifth? fifth? That's why I did ask. Oh. Because I, I assumed yeah. that Derek was in the top five, but I don't keep track of anybody else as to where they. I just don't. Outside of my clients, I don't. I, I don't care. Uh, you know, and I, if I'd have known him, I would have cared, but I didn't know. Yeah. So you you know who Sean Clarita is, though, right? Have you ever oh, heard yeah. of him? That one I do know. Okay. <laughs> Derek, that one I you do. You heard know, of Derek yeah. Lunsford? Yeah. Name rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> guys we appreciate everybody watching of course check out our sponsors truenutrition.com use our code think get some good supplements over there um i mentioned amino asylum if you know how to get there use our code think and uh of course go to uh, supplementsource.ca if you're in canada uh, of course we're all coaches that's why we do this we enjoy helping people uh we coach all full time skip has been coaching for the longest he's the senior of us uh 20 years now right we're probably going to have to say 21 pretty soon because I've been saying 20 years for a long time. You know that, right? Right. Yeah, gonna, I don't. He's going to pay shit. you to keep saying 20 so he doesn't. Eat <laughs> yeah. on the show. It'll, make, it'll make me feel younger. I don't know. Guys, go to teamskip.com. You can reach out to Skip over there. Uh, Andrew, go to bodyberry.com. You can reach out to Andrew for some coaching. And for me, just email me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. We'd all be happy to talk to you. And, uh, you know. With that said, another episode of Blood, Sweat, and Gear, guys. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to hang out and answer these questions with me. Always, Always. fun. And thanks for watching on the live feed, guys. We'll see you soon.